it's like it's like saying you're from Rhode Island. Like nobody fucking gives a shit about Connecticut down here in Tennessee. Okay, Delaware. Okay, big whoop. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. It is a lovely, lovely day, despite the fact the Tennessee Titans decide to let the Cleveland Browns hang 38 points on them in a half in one of the most disgusting first two quarters of a Titans game I have seen in a long time. It was gross. And unfortunately, we have decided to have a podcast to discuss that and relive our anger all over again. It's like being left at the altar and then having to give an interview right after. I am your host, Michael Gillum. I'm joined as always by Zach Lyons and Michael Herndon, who are even more thrilled than I am to discuss the Tennessee Titans and their disgusting loss to the Cleveland Browns. Good morning, gentlemen. Is it though? Is it really a good morning? (laughs) No, it feels like morning. a shitty morning to me. This uh, fan, this football weekend has left me wondering, why does God not want me to be happy? <laughs> it's specifically it's in question. fantasy. It's fantasy. Let, don't. Oh, oh. Let, listen, this show's going to go off the rails real quick. I can go ahead and I tell you, and that's usually our best shows, right? When we just get off on these topics and just hair into some people and i got a long list of names first off rest in peace fantasy football season with antonio gibson going down with the toe injury not his fault but i hate that he's been injured i don't expect him back for my first game in the fantasy playoffs but him going down and then old pimento cheese with facial hair andy reed decides to activate clyde edwards hilaire and not fucking use him and you saw them struggle when they got into the red zone and they just decide, oh, we'll just stick with Le'Veon Bell and Daryl Williams and never put in CEH, who may actually get into the end zone and score some touchdowns. Fuck Andy Reid, Mr. Offensive Genius. Can't even fucking use his all-star rookie for anything after activating him. Don't even activate him. Let me put in a different player that I could play. And then he doesn't even challenge that Tyreek Hill play call and people want to make, oh, well, I guess Tyreek Hill didn't know. Well, who gives a shit? You have fucking screens. It's 2020. Look up at the fucking screen and not go and call a field goal so quick. Fucking Andy Reid. And then Kyle Shanahan, this fucking beautiful, ignorant bastard, can't use Raheem Mostert at all, even though he's getting a ton of yardage, just decides, oh, I'm going to quit using Raheem Mostert and try to make Jeff Wilson and Tevin Coleman a thing. Look, bro. Fucking Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon, that's the formula for you to win fucking games if you want to make into the playoffs. Quit trying to make Tevin Coleman a thing. Quit trying to make Jeff Wilson a thing unless people are injured. And then you have Randy Fisher over in the Pittsburgh Steelers, who I am glad the Pittsburgh Steelers lost, by the way. But you are at the one-yard line, and you have a 500-pound quarterback that is six feet, seven inches tall, and you can't let that fat ass go over the top and get you a touchdown? Like, fuck you. Like, what a disaster of a fantasy weekend, an epic meltdown by all these fantasy geniuses that are apparently so much better than Arthur Smith, who people are, and we'll get to it later, who people are equating to, Oh, he's just as good as what Dal Loggins and Norm Chow were for this offense. I mean, people literally are saying, and we'll name names later in the show, 
but people are literally saying that he is no better than any offensive coordinator we've ever had. They're all the same. Ridiculous. But my fantasy weekend went great. Thanks Shut for asking. Up, I'm going. I'm going to uh, lead our league in scoring for the fourth time in the last six years in our league of record, and uh, once again be in the playoffs in uh, hoping to defend my championship. So, um, well, I'm I, in the playoffs. If and this was what, a, if this was a video format, I would bring Zach my is, trophy over here now and just have it sitting in here with me. On the Zach screen. is bitching. And he's in the playoffs. I missed the playoffs going into the weekend with an offense that features Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, AJ Brown, and DK Metcalf. And because Seattle has decided to stop playing high powered offense, the Tennessee Titans decided to get absolutely emasculated on the field. It all just came apart. And that's what we're here to get into is why do the Titans look like shit this week? Mike, why? What are, what, are, what are we doing wrong in this life that we deserve this terrible Titans defense? You know, like, I just don't even know with the Titans. I mean, they legitimately blow out a, a team that I think is is actually good in the Colts uh, last week. And then they turn around and get totally run off the field by a Browns team that I'd still just, I mean, they're fine. Like, they're they're pretty good. They should make the playoffs. Uh but they're not great. Like they're definitely not good enough that they should be beating the Titans 38 to seven, right? Like in, in a half. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know why they no show these games. I don't know if it's them reading their own press clippings, uh, them just getting like up for games and then having a letdown. Like, I, I don't know what the deal is with the kind of uneven performances, but it does not feel like even still, this team can be trusted week to week to show up. And that's just concerning. I mean, I, I, I don't know any other way to put it. It's concerning that they just no show games. Uh, it's uh, where you're right. Where do you begin? Do you begin with the shitty ass defense or do you, you begin with the fact that it is an inconsistent team and this leadership is, it's consistently inconsistent. I mean, that's the best way to put it. It is a consistently inconsistent team that you can't trust. And whenever you start to trust it, it rips your heart out and shits on it. And I I was so fed up with that game that I thought about turning it off at halftime and just going to red zone. Because, like, it didn't matter. That second half is a moral victory at best. Yes, it showed some great things, but there were still some shitty ass drops from AJ Brown and our defense was just, you know, the Cleveland Browns kind of felt like they were just rolling over and just, you know, eating up the clock and, you know, moral victories. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't care about moral victories. I need wins on the record book. You could take your moral victories and shove it up your ass as for all I care. And, and to be honest, Vrabel feels the same way. I mean, that's what he alluded to in the press conference uh, after the game. He basically just called it a moral victory and basically said, hey, you know, the only positive I can really take out of it is that we didn't have players and coaches fighting each other on the sidelines and they stayed together and, you know, props to my team. And that's that's a moral victory, you know, thing. Good for that, yeah, I guess. I yeah, that- I mean, like, take your, take your medal, your little participate participation trophy and put it up on your mantle and you know you know be like the colts and celebrate those moral victories 
I think I think it does matter that they didn't completely pack it in and just quit on the second half. And and to be frank, I was at halftime saying they should bench all the starters and just get ready for next week. And frankly, that still might have been the right right move. But um because I mean they made it way closer than I thought they had any business making it. I mean, I, I posted the stat at halftime that teams that were up by at least 31 points at halftime were 135 and 0 in NFL history. And only three of those games had been within 10 points by the final score margin. So uh, the Titans were the fourth team to bring it within 10 points. That doesn't really matter. It's still a loss either way. Uh, it's still a terrible performance either way, but they they actually did make it way closer than I thought. And frankly, if Adam Humphreys doesn't let a ball go right off his chest into a receiver's hands uh, or into a defensive back's hands, they could have actually had a chance because at that point they would have been down 13 with, I think, a, a five minutes left in the third quarter or something like that. If they scored on, you know, they were about to be first and goal inside the, uh, you know, 10-yard line. So they actually made it a game which I think they deserve credit for. Yes, the Browns took their foot off the gas a little bit, but the, the Browns didn't intend to let that become a situation where an onside kick could have given them a chance to go win. Um, so the Titans did something. They shouldn't get any parades or participation medals or anything like that. It's, it's a shitty performance. They must be better than what they were, but I, I, it was at least good to see them not just you know fall apart. We, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but this defense is not a playoff winning. This is not a Super Bowl winning defense. And that is, I mean, to me, it's the only positive, and it, it should be a bigger positive that you could take out of the game is that your Tennessee Titans finally had the kind of offense that can put up enough points to even make a disaster of this first half of a game look respectable if you just look at the stat line but again that goes right back to exactly what zach was saying about it's not you're not here for moral victories right and that's why it's so disappointing and why honestly i'm so pissed off about it is because i just don't i I really i don't understand how you give up 38 points to the cleveland browns we're going to get a little bit more into playoff talk here in, in a few minutes but how how is this team expected to beat someone like the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I just I don't see this team beating a a, a group like the Chiefs it, when you're getting shredded by the Browns. I, I just I don't know. I, that's what's so frustrating about this is that I, it's like I'm watching this slow impending doom. And if I'm being too dramatic, sorry. It's just that was infuriating. Zach said that he almost turned it off at halftime. I did turn it off at halftime and watch Red Zone. I ended up going back and watching the second half just because I wanted to see how the Titans were able to kind of scrape out of it. But I just I couldn't put up with it. it it's awful to see the Titans have four games left and then, you know, it's on to the playoffs and I'm afraid this team could end up one and done because are you going to get the good Tennessee Titans that show up and make fools out of people or are you just going to turn over, drop your pants and show the world? I mean, I mean, that's the thing though, right? They can beat anybody. I think, cause this offense is good enough. This offense can move the ball against anybody. They could come out and just have one of those halves like they did sure. against Indy where they can't be stopped. And, and maybe the defense falls into a couple turnovers and you, you beat a team like the Chiefs. That's certainly within the realm of possibility. Um, I don't think it's probable. I think the Chiefs are obviously the team that they don't want to face. Um, I think everyone else in the AFC field is beatable. They've already beaten the Bills. The Steelers are kind of falling apart right now. 
Uh, and really that game came down to a, a missed field goal by Gaskowski, um, even with the Titans turning in another terrible half of football in the first half of that one. Um, but I, I don't think there's any unbeatable team in the AFC field besides maybe Kansas City. And I mean, we saw them beat them last year, you know, similar kind of team. In fact, you know, they were without Jayon Brown. They were without uh, uh, Malcolm Butler in that game. So it's a similar makeup, but the defense is really the the issue, right? I mean, they're 28. They were 28th in DVOA coming into this game. It's going to probably be worse than that uh, coming out of it. They can't get pressure. They can't cover. I mean, you saw them actually get aggressive in this game and, and try to press up and play some man coverage. And then you saw immediately why the coaches don't want to do that because Breon Borders gets roasted on an out and up uh, for one of the most wide open touchdowns you'll ever see in the NFL. Um, it, that is the problem is you don't have the personnel to play the kind of defenses that they need to play to cover up for the shitty pass rush. So I don't know what this defense is supposed to do. And I get like the coordinator thing, like, yeah, they probably should have a coordinator and that would maybe help a little bit, but they don't have the people to do what they want to do. Um, and I don't know how you make a defense out of Tuzar Skipper and Derek Roberson and, you know, shitty Rashawn Evans and Breon Borders. Like, I mean, what, how do you make a defense that is above average out of that? I, I don't know. And Breon, how do you get your ass burned by Donovan Peoples-Jones? The man has only scored one other touchdown this season. His second just came against you. Congratulations for that. And, and I think Brable mentioned in the press conference yesterday that it was Borders had his eyes in the backfield, was looking to, to go make a play, go make a pick on the, on the ball, and he got roasted for it. And I mean, but that's the thing. Like, you've got to – you've got to be able to, to at least be close enough that you can grab the guy. Like if you're going to get beat and you know, you're going to get beat, just tackle his ass. Like, I mean, he take did. the penalty at the spot. It's fine. Like, he but you turned, cannot just let him be 20 yards open downfield. He turned around and started doing the scramble. I do when I'm loading groceries into my car and realize that my cart is now doing five miles an hour down a hill through the parking lot. And I'm doing the, Oh my God, fat guy scramble trying to find it. Listen, I love a Dory Jackson. Dory Jackson is coming in and fixing this defense. This defense is in shambles. It sucks. It they fucking just blows. Dory Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but I mean, a Dory Jackson will help, but the help's going to be so marginal because this pass rush does suck. There, I mean, you you mentioned it. We're playing Tuzar Skipper, and and the people are clamoring for Wyatt Ray. Might as well just give Wyatt Ray a chance. Who gives a fuck who's out there? Because none of them are good. And they're all undrafted. Listen, here this this is the uh, the radio show parade of the undrafted free agents. Everybody's been clamoring for to make some impact and make some starts. Undrafted free agents generally suck, so I don't know what people are expecting. You're right, a coordinator. I, I don't even know if you got prime um, Jimmy Johnson of, of the. Uh, Shit, it's not Jimmy Johnson, is it? Um, who's oh, the no, Eagles? The yeah. Eagles defensive coordinator for the longest time. Um, I don't. I don't if you got prime it. Dick LeBeau, if you got prime, if you got Brian or uh, Bill Belichick in here, let me tell. You, if you put Bill Belichick as a defensive coordinator, I don't even think he's going to be able to get anything out of these guys because there's there's just no there's no quality outside linebackers, no quality pass rush. 
you you'd probably get better Kevin Byard if you had a defensive coordinator, but uh, still that doesn't solve the problem. You don't go up against Baker Mayfield and get zero sacks and only one QB hit. Hey, Bill Belichick has the thirty first uh, defense in DVOA, so they're actually worse than uh, well, the they Titans. may be better after this week. And that's with Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson and uh, and a pretty nice secondary. So yeah, they just they just uh, stomped the Sandy or uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, so they'll they'll, they'll jump. They up might a few. they might leapfrog uh, this week, yeah. But let me so, say, I mean, there's just not there's no solution. We tried our solutions and they failed, right? Jadavian Clowney was was part, supposed to be a solution. Vic Beasley was supposed to be a solution. Jayon Brown was supposed to keep on improving and he's injured. Adoree Jackson was supposed to already be back. Kevin Byard was sp- still supposed to be an all pro. All this stuff was supposed to happen. They tried. It failed and it's failed miserably. And we as fans have to look at this Titans defense and as analysts and just be honest with ourselves and say, this defense is never going to get better. I mean, in, in a way that makes this a, a team that can win a Super Bowl. It's, well, it could get better. Oh, it could go from 28th to 26, but it still ain't going to fucking mean anything once you get into the playoffs. Here's the thing, though. I don't think they have to be – the defense doesn't have to be really good. It, it, it just has to be not a disaster. And that's that's the level that they're trying not, to find. Not, here. A not a disaster is not good enough when you go up against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think you it are is. Have I think face... it is. It, okay. On a one okay. in a one game sample, all you've got to do is get a, the turnover at the t- right time. The offense I, is red hot. It, in a one game playoff, in a single elimination playoff, it, you do not have to have that unit be an elite unit to stop the Chiefs. Like it just, you just have yeah. to have. The right your plays. offense has to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand. You should yes. not have to rely on your defense. And to me, to win that game, you have to make sure that Derrick Henry goes up against this this bad rushing defense of the um, the Kansas City Chiefs and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands and play mistake free football in the offense. You should not at any point rely on that one off chance that someone on this team actually does their job correctly in the correct spot and we actually win off a turnover. You don't, that's not how you win this game. I'm not putting my faith in this Titans defense to do anything like that. This is going to have to be an offense driven team. I'm, I'm a little speechless because I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to pivot and find good things out of this game, but I'm just so disgusted with the defense. Mike said exactly what I want to say, which was you can find a way to win with a bad defense, not an atrocious defense. And the Titans defense went to atrocious. And I agree. You you could probably find a way to beat a team like the chiefs with a bad defense. Look, last year's defense wasn't that great. And the Titans were in that game in the AFC championship for a little while. So, but the Raiders beat the Chiefs with a bad defense. Right. I mean, and it can we, and we saw the Raiders struggle. Wow. As I struggle to say the word struggle mightily against the Jets of all people. The Jets ended up having to, you know, gift them a win. Thank God. I'll discuss that at the end. But so it's possible. And it's not the Chiefs were out without flaws. And the reason why I keep using this as an example is because they're the type of offense that, you know, frankly, if you were trying to compare the Titans offense to something or where the Titans offense can potentially do week in and week out is just throw up ridiculous Madden style points. I do where I want to pivot here is that while the Titans looked like shit on the field, the Tennessee Titans fan base, boy, 
just really coming apart on social media. So let's start with some of the name calling and some of the, the heads rolling. A lot of people out there want to fire Art Smith. <laughs> well, I don't know necessarily if it's firing, but Xander Mercury, who I have not had any issues with since the benching of eight and the, the, the last thing that we, we had an argument about and he blocked me for, which may have been a mistake block. We were talking about Tom Brady and how he's choosing the Bucks, which he did end up choosing the Bucks because they are the better overall team. And my point of that was, was Chris Godwin. Uh, you had Chris Godwin. You had Mike Evans. You had all the wide receivers you could want, tight ends. And then they, you had their amazing defense. And he argued with me that their, their defense was not that good. But third in DVOA yeah. versus yeah. 28th. <laughs> for so, the let, let's talk about good defenses. Uh, so... All good after he unblocked me and whatever. He must have figured out that in, I wasn't being mean or anything, surprisingly enough. And then <laughs> uh, here we are. I, I am the reason I have not brought this forward to on social media is because yesterday with work, I had stuff going on all day and I, and I have stuff later going on today. Uh, convention stuff, virtual conventions, actually a pretty cool setup. But anyway. Can we all agree that Art Smith is not that good of a play caller? Apparently, and the players are pulling Art Smith, the same players who have failed at other with other offensive coordinators or who have not lived up to expectations with other offensive coordinators, um, have pulled Art Smith into a top five offense in the NFL. Not Art Smith's play calling, not his zone schemes and his blocking schemes and his uh, use of motion and bringing out the best in these players. According to Xander Mercury, and he goes on, that was his main tweet, but he basically says down here that, uh, man, where was it? Uh, someone said, better than the ones we've had in the past. He says, is he or do we just have the best offensive players we've ever had? So basically, he's questioning whether Art Smith is, is better than Terry Robisky, Dow Loggins, Norm Chow. I mean, Chris some Palmer. of the worst. Chris Palmer, <laughs> who effectively prevented Peyton Manning from coming here, <laughs> by the way, Chris Palmer. Yeah. And... He thinks that Art Smith is just is just not as is just the same as those guys that, that they those guys could do the same. A rookie play caller, and he even says it's a rookie play caller could do the same thing that Art Smith is doing with the same degree of success and efficiency. Listen, that's absolute ridiculousness. It's the most asinine fucking thing <laughs> I've read on the internet lately. And, and there, listen, Donald Trump tweets on the internet, and I find that more asinine. <laughs> Arthur Smith is being considered for head coaching jobs all over the NFL because he's really good at his job. Uh, the Titans offense, it's not like this was an all-star team two years ago, right? I mean, this is not, they were 26th in DVOA until they put, <laughs> made the switch to Tannehill and, and everything kind of took off. But look, Arthur Smith, it's not just play calling. And this is something that I feel like people don't fully appreciate about the job of an offensive coordinator. People look at offensive coordinator, that's the guy that calls the plays on game day. And whether he calls good plays or bad plays is whether or not he's a good offensive coordinator. 
that is like one part of a big, big, big job. His job is to design the offense. His job is to install the offense. His job is to teach the offense. His job is to teach the little techniques that help that offense run and, and operate efficiently. All of those little steps are just as important, if not more important than the plays he screams into Tannehill's helmet on game day. I mean, that is, you've got to be able to design, build, teach, implement. All of that has to happen at a really high level to be anywhere close to a top three offense in the NFL. You don't think the uh, teams like the the Saints or the Seahawks or, uh, you know, even Tampa Bay are talented because his offenses are better than those right now. So I don't want to hear anything about Arthur Smith being to blame if you want to blame somebody, blame the unit that gave up 38 points in the first half, right? I mean, sure, the, the Titans offense didn't get off to a roaring start and Derrick Henry getting stuffed on a fourth and one because he never reaches the ball out. I, I don't understand that at all. Um, but then also fumbling on the very next drive. Like, sure, that stuff, if you want to quibble about some of that, that little the little play calling things here and there, whatever, that's fine. But 38 points in the first half from your defense. And it's not like they were constantly uh, defending short fields. That is the unacceptable side of this. Blame the 28th ranked unit, not the third ranked unit, third ranked unit for the Titans flaws. And by the way, they're still eight and four. This is an eight and four football team because of Arthur Smith's offense. Right. I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, I get being critical of play calls, the wildcat. And if you didn't like the Aaron Brewer uh, offensive line, you know, pass call, you know, I I get it. If you don't like those play calls, I get it. But I think Nick Lombardi put it best. That's what, two to three plays out of 66 that he called in one game. And yeah, they were sort of big plays. But I mean, technically, Derrick Henry didn't really run with a lot of gusto, in my opinion. And he... Could have broken off a couple more runs if he was running a little bit harder, and he probably would have got that first down on the fourth down. And I get it. Frankly, you want to get see- the first down. I'm, yeah. I mean, just I, being I honest, don't think but- he did with the right with when the right knee went down. I think the ball hadn't made it over there yet. But you know, it's a game of inches. I get it, and I get that you want to see two, you know, Derrick Henry runs there. I understand it. But that doesn't mean that we just effectively erase everything that he's done good because of two plays. Like, right. get a grip. That Wildcat did work a few weeks ago, or I think it was even last week, with Cameron Batson at the Wildcat helm. It Stuff like that works. They see stuff on film from the defense that they think that these plays will work in the time that they do them. It's not like he's just down there like, he's not playing Madden just like, oh, well, this is the time I think I'm going to call that trick play. You know, like, that's not how it works. And you don't have – not everybody can come in and have the same kind of offensive offensive success and offensive efficiency with these players. And, and let me give you a prime example of someone that couldn't, and it would be Adam Gase, our favorite guy to talk about, because he had Ryan Tannehill, Kenny Stills, Kenyon Drake, um, Larry, uh, Larry Tunsil. He had also um, – Jarvis Landry and Rashard Matthews and all these people at the same time. And they sucked on offense. Like it doesn't matter about the play. Having playmakers matters, but you have to have the guy that's going to have the plays that fools the defense enough that they can't call the plays like 
hello, what's happening over at Lamar Jackson and um, Baltimore Ravens? People are calling out their plays. People were calling out the plays with Marcus when he was here. They didn't fear Marcus. Arthur Smith is getting the most out of all of these players. Tannehill, who people thought was a dead on arrival when he arrived here. Arthur Smith's a big reason for that. And yes, the players have to go out there and execute the play call correctly. But you can't let two plays suddenly think that, oh, those two plays, well, Arthur Smith, I know he's scoring over 30 points a game, but and we have a top five NFL offense, but he sure is just Terry Robisky in a FedEx uniform. So, um, number two on some of the stupider things I saw this weekend. Oh my God, there's another one. I didn't. Know oh no, I've got one. yeah, I've got a couple more. Uh, the Titans should immediately bring in. Okay, let me start with this. The Titans should immediately bring in a defensive coordinator. You're not hiring a defensive coordinator week 14. Shut up. Yeah, okay? this is Dean Pease magically deciding to come out of retirement. There is not a defensive it's, coordinator, and it's not a, it's not happening. The man's not going to do it. Right. But here's here's my favorite one so far. The Titans should go hire Greg Williams. Now, let oh, me, God. let me. Fuck whoever said that. <laughs> let me just, let, I saw this from multiple people and I could oh. not find the tweets this morning, but I do want to go through this. I'm just going to start with the year 2016. Rams defensive coordinator, 23rd rank scoring defense. 2017, Browns defensive coordinator, 31st rank scoring defense. 2018, he became the interim head coach midway through the season, 21st rank scoring defense. 2019, Jets defensive coordinator, 16th rank scoring defense. Congratulations, you got 500 in the league on that one. 2020, defensive coordinator, before he got fired yesterday or over the weekend, 30th ranked scoring defense. This guy sucks, okay? The only thing that he's known for in the last decade is paying bounties to rip people's knees apart. This guy has not posted a defense above 16th since 2015 and he's never had a defense in the top 10 if you mention the name greg williams to me again i am going to find you and throw shit at you do not bring it up with me again well, point number th- i'm not i just i just don't i'm done with it yeah g g williams i don't want to say his full name because i don't want shit thrown at me <laughs> g like will yeah g will GW. um if you want to see kevin byard play even worse than he does now, then you should hire G will because that guy cannot coach a safety to play correctly to save his fucking life. And he would utterly destroy Kevin Byard's confidence. What little he may have right now would actually destroy it and make him probably the, one of the worst safeties you've ever seen. G will can kick rocks. Fuck whoever said that you guys are just throwing shit up against the wall in week 14. It's not going to fucking happen. It's not going to happen. No defensive coordinators come through that door. And let me tell you this, in the offseason, when the defensive coordinator does come through that door, his name's going to be Shane Bowen, and you all could just suck it and like it because that's what you're going to get. Mike Frabel is not here for your shit and people-pleasing stuff. He's going to bring in Mike Frabel or uh, Shane Bowen, and that's who's going to be the defensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, and they'll just hire a couple of uh, you know assistants, some more of Mike Frabel's buddies as assistants, and they'll uh, they'll take over for that. Um, number three, which I think Mike will thoroughly enjoy this one. And again, I don't have receipts on this one. I need receipts. But I saw multiple people saying, Adoree Jackson obviously doesn't want to play. The team should just cut him. Oh, my God. Yeah, this, this is one of the most exhausting narratives that's out there. Why would Adoree Jackson, who is like, 
um, about 16 months removed from becoming a free agent and potentially getting a big payday. Like it, I, I know NFL money, NFL players make good money, right? All of them. Yeah, I uh, found them. um all all nfl players make good money right but they really make their money on their second contract all these guys that are on their rookie contracts are playing to get that second contract where they can really make the big money and adoree jackson is 16 months removed from that guess what him missing all these games is going to be held against him in contract negotiations whether it's with the titans or with any other football team it is actively against his best interest, his family's best interest, his future children's best interest for him to be sitting out football games. So why do we have to believe that there is a some sort of conspiracy theory that, oh, Adoree Jackson must not want to play. He's faking an injury. He's he's just he's just lazy. Like, what is this take? He's played he played like 40 consecutive games for this team before he finally got hurt for the first time last season. And it, by the way, it's not the same injury. People are saying that he's still hurt from last year. He's not like he came back and played in the playoffs last year in case you forgot. So I just don't understand. Like I get it. It's frustrating. Like the whole saga with him has been frustrating this year, but we've got to stop creating conspiracy theories out of nothing. And this is a, a societal problem. Just because something frustrating doesn't mean there's a grand conspiracy against you and your team and your interests. Mm. It just means that, hey, some something bad happened. The guy's probably trying to get back. That's the most logical explanation. That's almost certainly the right explanation. Just go with what makes sense, please. Name a, name a better duo than Jared Stillman and Chad Forbes. Because what a interaction and these guys are just talking to each other like buddies. And I could not imagine two more insufferable fools talking to each other about football. Basically he's replying to a tweet, but Chad Forbes says minute Adoree Jackson is healthy. I'd cut him to free up that $10 million. Malcolm Butler and Humphreys can go too. So you're cutting two of the top corners, by the way, with Christian Fulton and Breon Borders going to step in? I mean, what the fuck is this guy thinking? Could just I go mean, back and get Jonathan Joseph. But, but you're right. And my favorite people are the, the people that are like, well, I don't understand why we brought Adoree back, why we activated him so early. Because we had to or he's lost for the season. They fully expect Adoree Jackson to play. At some point during this season, they expect him to play. I know we're in December, and it's week 14, and he hasn't played yet. They expect him to play at some point. Yeah, but I mean, like, even if who all you else? get is the playoffs, then yeah, that's, yeah. that's worth even it. Even if you get him for the playoffs, that's perfectly fine. It's better to have him in the... Wouldn't we all have rather seen Malcolm Butler out there for the playoffs last year if they hadn't bungled that IR designation as well? So then you all would be complaining about Adoree. Why isn't Adoree Jackson back? Why didn't we activate him off IR when we could? And then... The people who are saying, well, this roster spot could have gone to someone else. Who? Who could this roster spot have gone to? Like, hey, who Greg are Maben. you dying for? You dying for that third long snapper, that fifth kicker? What are you dying for to for this? No one that would be in his spot would be activated on game day. He's not taking up an active game day roster spot. He's just taking up a weekly roster spot. Fucking get a grip. 
listen, I'm all for fans wanting to educate themselves, but it seems like some fans just want to be willfully ignorant and continue to be willfully, willfully ignorant, even though they are being force fed from a bowl of good advice and good analysis. And they just choose to ignore it. They're just like a, a baby that doesn't want the airplane to come into the hangar. Them, no, no, I don't want this good advice. I don't want this analysis. All leading up to the week that Adoree Jackson had to get activated, everyone was talking about that had to be the week. The deadline was approaching because if they didn't activate him, he wouldn't be able to come off IR and would be unavailable for the rest of the season. Everyone literally everyone in Titans media that you could follow. If you hopped on Twitter, that's what you saw. That's what you heard all week. And people still have to ask the question. Well, I don't understand why we were wasting that roster spot on them. Zach, people, Zach, people just, want to see Greg Maven. I mean, yeah, if people, Greg people Maven, Maven was on, fuck. if Greg Maven was on the practice squad, you can't tell me the Browns would have scored 38 points and a half. Zach just wants you to eat your applesauce. That's all. He just wants you to eat your applesauce. Open the hanger. Let the spoon come in. So, uh, (laughs) so, Mike, I want to ask you, uh, you've got a great article up at Broadway um, talking about the the playoff chances and and, and where the Titans stand even after this disastrous loss. Um, The Titans are still on track to win the AFC South, correct? Right now, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a little, it's a little dicey. It's close. It's, I mean, but if the, the season Colts ended, lost to the Browns too, so that's it, good. Right, yeah, and and if the if the Titans and Colts both win out, the Titans win the division. So, and and really, if the Titans and Colts both finish three and one, the Titans win the division. So, it's it's going to be a situation where the Titans have to at least. I, I feel like you're going to have to go three and one, right? I mean. Uh, Two and two, maybe, maybe gets it done. Uh, Colts still have the Steelers. They still have the Raiders, and they still have Houston and Jacksonville left. Both teams still have Houston and Jacksonville left. And then, of course, the Titans have um, the Packers and Lions. So the Titans have a little bit easier schedule uh, down the stretch here than the Colts. So that's that's a benefit for them, obviously. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be touch and go here because now the Jacksonville game, I feel like, is pretty much a must win. Like, you've got to take that one. If you drop Jacksonville, it, it, the schedule strength obviously flips, right? Because, I mean, that's, that's the easiest game left on both of these schedules when you look at them. The Titans need to win this one. But they're, they're still in really good shape. They still control their own destiny. Um, it's, it sucks because, like, <laughs> Deshaun Watson had the ball – uh, I think it was second and goal at the two yard line and fumbled the snap with was it less than, I think it was less than a minute left to yeah. play. The Texans were going to win that game. If he just catches the snap, I mean, they, they were about to score. Um, and if he does that, then this it's almost a wrap, even with the Titans loss. Um, but unfortunately the Colts uh, horseshoe that is permanently up their ass strikes again and they uh, they fall on a ball and win the game. So bad things happen for the Titans on Sunday, but they're still in good shape. Well, let me and let me say this: the Houston Texans' offense is starting to click with letting Deshaun Watson cook, I guess. Because if you if I would have told you and you would have called me crazy if I would have told you that Deshaun Watson would have had two 100 yard wide receivers on Sunday versus the Colts. 
and neither of them would be named Will Fuller or uh, Brandon Cooks. Kiki Kuti and some other guy I don't even remember both went over 100 yards receiving with Deshaun Watson behind center. Deshaun Watson is playing some of the best football of his career and is getting wasted down in Houston, but eventually they will rebound. So this is going to be a tough road starting next year, you know, when they get a competent coach and GM in at the Houston Texans. And, you know, this game, week 17 game, it, it may be a must-win game again. And unfortunately, if it is, it's going to be a tough game to win because the Houston Texans, like I said, are on fire offensively. Chad Hansen was the other wide, wide receiver with 100 yards out of California. Looks like he should be selling health insurance somewhere. <laughs> um, so let me I, – I want to – let me let me first say this. If the Titans lose to Jacksonville, you will be using pre-recorded shit from me for the rest of the year to fill in for me for the podcast. It's going to be me just saying, oh, I agree with that, Mike. And, oh, that's a great point, Zach, because I'm not going to show up and do this if they lose to Jacksonville. I can't handle that this year. But if the, if the playoffs were to start today, would they play the Cleveland Browns? Is that what this is looking like? They would. Yeah, they would actually, they would get the Browns in the four five matchup, which the Titans are, you know, the bills obviously won last night, literally every team that's in the Titans sphere of, of AFC teams in that kind of like wild card slash AFC South bunching. Uh, they, they all won except for the Titans this week. So it was the worst possible scenario. Uh, the Bills still have some tough games left themselves. I think they've got the Steelers. Uh, they've still got the Dolphins, which will pretty much uh, determine the um, AFC East. So they've still got some tough games left. It's still possible that the Titans crawl back into that three seed. And I honestly think that's pretty important because, frankly, it looks like the Chiefs are going to get the one seed. Right now it's still the Steelers just slightly because of uh, mm-hmm. where – because of conference record tiebreaker uh, there, but the Steelers have a tougher remaining schedule, I think, than the Chiefs. Um, I think Wait, they play I, Buffalo next week. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that's going to be a big game. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to end up the one seed. The Steelers are probably going to end up the two seed. And in the second round, I would much rather play a Steelers team coming off another game. Uh, the week before than a rested chiefs team, obviously. So that would be the matchup. If you're the three seed, if you're the four seed, you're hoping for an upset to get that matchup. So um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but yeah, right now it would be Titans Browns rematch. Um, And honestly, call me crazy. I don't feel like that's that bad a matchup for the Titans. I don't either. I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say traditionally and historically, when you see the Titans come up against a uh, team for the second time, they usually beat the shit out of them. I mean, we saw it with the Colts, you know, in, in the span of two weeks, they totally turned around, but you know, they weren't, I don't think they were ready for the Browns to, to pass as much as they were and to have success passing. And I think that, they, that's where the Titans, you know, got caught. And I think that um, in the second go around in a second matchup, I think the Titans would whoop the shit out of the Browns. Yeah. I, I, I frankly didn't call me a, you know, coaching staff apologist or whatever, if you want, but oh, you definitely are. 
I, I feel like the Titans came in with the right approach, right? I mean, it was shut Chubb down, make Baker make Mayfield beat you. That's what they tried to do. I mean, that, that's clearly what their approach was. They were coming downhill hard on, on the Browns running game, and they did stop Chubb. They held him to his lowest yards per attempt for the season. Um, you know, they got a couple screens and stuff like that, which the Titans – Jayon Brown was by far their best screen defender because he was really good at kind of sussing that out and, and making a play. Um, without him, they're they're struggling a little bit on screens, but it's um I thought it was the right game plan. I, I just think they they got the beat fancy by, came in with a better game plan. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And they they kind of zigged when when the Titans thought they were gonna zag. And in credit to the Browns coaching staff um for doing that, but and credit to Baker Mayfield for playing a great game. Like, I don't think Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback, but he played a great game in this one. The Titans helped him by not getting any pressure on him, by leaving him wide open receivers all the time. Sure. But he executed really well. He'd been missing literally wide open receivers um, the previous few weeks. So he played much better than he had been. I don't blame the Titans for coming in and, and wanting to take away Chubb first. Um, but, yeah, didn't, didn't work out, obviously. But, yeah, if they see him again – I don't think that's that's a bad matchup for them. I, I'd, I'd take that one. Uh, Tennessee in Jacksonville on Sunday at noon. Um, the Titans' next four, again, is favorable. Um, three and one, obviously, is what we're looking for, the next four. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, again, the, the matchups do favor them here, so I believe the Titans will get it together. I just don't see them really downshifting that hard against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you know, we'll, we'll see, but I really, I think the Titans are rolling into a much better spot for next weekend. Derrick um, Henry should have a hell of a four weeks. I mean, he really should, even against green Bay, Derrick Henry should be going off. And I, I know it was a rough start to Dehenber, and, uh, but we'll rebound. We will rebound. Okay. Okay. Guys, look at me. We will rebound. <laughs> I pissed off Derrick Henry is something I would love to see this week. Yeah, I need going to back home. Derrick Henry, let's let's crush some Jag souls. And I also to- uh, over under of complaints that we'll get from Eric Ebron this week. Oh, oh listen, my God! Absolutely. That, is he the what biggest he, bitch in the NFL? <laughs> what, mean, what is no it's either him or his quarterback? One of the two. What did what did Dropopotamus say last night on uh on social media that it's time for me just to be quiet and play? Or yeah, oh, did he say it? Lines. Yeah, it is time for you to shut the fuck up. He tweeted Loser. he tweeted out something about like we something along the lines of okay, we got beat, we've been humbled. I'm paraphrasing here. Time to be quiet and just play now. And I'm thinking, dude, you gotta be back on social media, eight a.m. bumping the gums like just. <laughs> We know it's coming. Dropped him as prime. Yeah. The, the the nicknames that have been coming out, drop upon him. This is one that I'm quite proud of right now. Uh, really fun, really fun. So I, I want I want to wrap up by saying this, and I need just a moment because we had a scare this weekend, and it was a big scare. And the scare I'm talking about is the Jets almost won, and we can't tolerate that. Like we're we're so close, so close to zero and sixteen. An 0 and 16 Adam Gase and an 0 and 16 Jets. Okay, Daddy has not had an un, a, a completely defeated team since 2008, when the Lions first gifted me the the joy of seeing a team completely and utterly shit the bed. But I want it so much more because it's for Adam Gase, 
who I love and by love, I mean, detest with every fiber of my being. I need this for Adam Gase. The Jets next four are against the Seahawks, the Rams, the, the Browns and the Patriots and the Rams and the Browns are, they, they give me some scare that they could, they could ruin this for me. The, and I know you're saying what the Browns, the Browns just beat the hell out of the Titans. The Browns have had some very embarrassing losses this year. Okay. And they have played down to some bad teams. So I just, I am, I implore the NFL gods to just, I, I need this. Give me this. Okay. Daddy needs this for 2020. It has been a terrible year. I need to see Adam Gase with an 0 16 record. I, I need this. Don't, don't deny me this. We're so close. You got rid of Greg Williams, which was a huge mistake. <laughs> That's a problem. Like, don't find any way to make this defense a little bit better. I need things to be a little bit worse. We're four games away. Just give me this, okay? I'm going to be selfish. I need this and want this. I hope you get it, bud. <laughs> I do too. I'm, I'm wishing you all the, all the Christmas uh, – gifts of Owen 16 that's going to do it for us this is your weekly reminder that adam gay sucks no matter how bad the titans might be playing it can always be worse and that that worse is named adam gase we always appreciate you tuning in we're brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com articles podcasts fantasy advice betting advice don't take fantasy betting advice from me this weekend that was a bad one but uh come check us out broadwaysportsmedia.com we love that you listen to us at football and other efforts, please rate review and subscribe. Tell your friends about us. And uh, for Mike Herndon, Zach Lyons and myself, Michael Gillum, you've just been left. A Broadway sports media production.